Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 5. We're in the middle of this series called Advance. Let me welcome all of our campuses, our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, our friends in Milton, everybody who's watching online. How's the Azor campus? Are y'all awake? Are are y'all ready for this? So uh, we are in the book of Acts. Let me just recap where we are, okay? Jesus has ascended into heaven. The church has begun to pray. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, okay? Peter is is filled with the Holy Spirit. He stands up and he preaches the gospel. 3,000 people commit their lives to Jesus Christ. They're baptized on the spot. Like the church is growing. And in just a matter of days, the church has grown to over 10,000 people. God is using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's where we pick up the story today. We're in Acts chapter five. I'm gonna read verse 14, or actually verse 17 and following. It says, the high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now, when God is moving, when the church is growing, When the people of God are on fire for Jesus, there will be opposition. There's going to be some major opposition. God is using these apostles, and they're getting persecuted, and they're getting thrown in jail. There's going to be opposition. I want you guys to know that that God is moving at Greystone Church. Okay, we are on fire for God. We had 290 men in this room for a men's conference. People were driving by the church. They saw things. They saw the tank, pulled in, found out what was going on, and just started coming. We don't even have an exact number. It may be more than that. But God is moving. The church is praying. We got together on Tuesday night. The student pastor said, we're we're trusting God for 25 students to come to know Christ on Wednesday night at the Azor campus. We prayed, we trusted God. 25 students came to know Christ on Wednesday night. Like, God is moving. We had people last Sunday spontaneously baptized in the clothes that they wore the church, spontaneously baptized. We're starting a new work in Milton today. Shout out to our Milton friends. We're looking forward to seeing you guys in a little while. We're having our first membership class in Milton today. So when, when God is moving, there's gonna be opposition because we have a very real enemy. An enemy who doesn't want the word of God preached. An enemy who doesn't want Jesus Christ to be preached. An enemy who doesn't want the church to advance. And the other night when we were praying, Ron to Chapman was saying, hey, there's gonna be opposition. We better be prayed up and we better be powered up for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Steve Nelson led our group at the Walton campus praying the exact same thing, that we're in a spiritual war, we're in a, we're in a battle. We better be ready for opposition. A few years ago, we weren't ready for opposition. 
it almost destroyed the church. It almost took me out of ministry. We are ready this time. We are prepared and we are prayed up. Satan wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to destroy our kids. It says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I want you guys to know that we're in a war. We're in a battle. That the series logo, Advance, has a military theme for a reason. Because when we are advancing the kingdom of God and the church is growing and lives are being changed for, for, for all, all eternity, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war. Like, like if the church isn't moving, no one's coming to know Christ, we're not filling up the battery, we're not advancing the gospel, the enemy leaves us alone because he has us right where he wants us. But when we're moving and when we're growing and lives are being changed, that's when we better get ready for battle. We better be ready for a fight. I, lo I love the message the other night but the men not being passive, but getting off the sidelines and in the battle. <laughs> a will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love. Come on, that's good stuff. I love that. We've got a work to do, and we can't passively sit on the sidelines. We've got to get in the battle and get in the fight, but our fight is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, finally be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But here's the truth, 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the power of God, the presence of God. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, there's this, there's this battle going on in, in the spiritual forces of evil. And it's God versus Satan. It's Jesus versus the devil. But, but, but Satan, he has, he's not equal to God. We need to be super clear about that. Satan is a fallen angel. We're gonna talk more about that in a little bit, where, where he comes from, where the demons come from. But God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Satan is not. Now, Satan is more powerful than us, but we have God on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We are in this war, we are in this battle. Now, we've been talking about putting on the armor of God. There's no armor on the backside, right? We're, we're moving forward, we've got our hand to the plow. We've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit the last few weeks, the power of God in us. Today, I want us to talk about angels and demons. I wanna talk about the spiritual world, the spiritual realm, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So these apostles, 
are receiving some, some opposition. They're thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And look, look at what happens next. We're in Acts chapter five. Let me read 17 again and we'll finish that. The high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But listen to this. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. So they're thrown in jail, but God sends one of his angels to open up the, the gates to the jail and set them free so they could escape. God sends his angels to help us, to protect us, and to guide us. Now, before I get into angels, I'm all excited about that. I want, I want to finish up Acts 5, because we're in Acts 5. So I want to summarize this. And I think there's a word for you from Acts 5, and then we're, we're going to get into talking about the angels. So the apostles are set free. The angel lets them out. And he tells them to go back into the temple and preach the gospel to tell people about Jesus. Now, now naturally, if you're thrown in, in jail, what are you gonna do when you get out? Run for the hills, right? Run for the mountains. But no, they go right back to the temple and, and keep te teaching about Jesus. Immediate obedience, Some, somebody needs to, immediate obedience. We, we, we do what God calls us to do, we don't put it off, we don't procrastinate, we do it right then. So the high priest gathers all these high officials the full company of elders, so we're talking about 70 elders. This is the same group of people that put Jesus on trial and had Jesus crucified. They're about to do the same to the 12 apostles. And so they send for the apostles, go get the apostles out of jail and, and bring them before us. Well, they go get the apostles, well, the apostles aren't in jail. And the guards don't know what happened. And then they get word that these apostles are back at the temple preaching Jesus, telling people about Jesus. And so they go get them, they arrest them again. They bring them before the, before, before the full council and they say, we told you not to speak the name of Jesus. And they say, Peter and the apostles say, we're gonna obey God and we're not gonna obey man. And then Peter again begins to preach the gospel. And they're so furious with Peter and the apostles, they wanna put them to death. They want to kill him, and then one of the wise Pharisees stands up and, and he says, look, if God is not in it with these guys, what they're doing is eventually gonna die out, it's gonna fade away. But if God is in it and God is on their side, we're gonna find ourselves fighting against God. So he convinces them to let the apostles go. But they decide to beat the apostles first. Well, let's whip them, let's beat them before we release them. And listen to how the apostles responded in verse 41. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the way. Now there's a huge, huge lesson I want us to learn here. God, God is gonna speak to someone here through this. 
The apostles were obedient to do what God had called them to do. They get, he releases them from prison. He tells them to go back into the temple and keep preaching. So they do what God causes them, calls them to do, which led to them being arrested again, put on trial, and beaten. <laughs> because they were faithful to do what God had called them to do. When we obey God, sometimes it leads to pain and suffering. Okay, obedience to God does not always lead to a life of prosperity and blessing. Sometimes obedience to God leads to pain and suffering. But they rejoiced that they were considered worthy enough to suffer for Jesus. They rejoiced that they could suffer for Jesus. There is a deeper blessing than wealth and prosperity. There's a deeper blessing here than just living a good life and going to heaven. The blessing, the deeper blessing is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. When we go through pain and suffering, and if you live long enough, you're gonna go through it, it draws us closer to God. God is close to the brokenhearted. God is close to those who are going through pain and suffering. It draws, when, are you, when are you closest to God? When do you pray the most? It's when you're going through difficult times. There is a deeper blessing. The apostle Paul said, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. How many of us are saying, I wanna suffer with Christ? I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death, sharing in the cross of Christ so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. That was a message that some people needed to hear. Now, I wanna talk about angels. Do you believe in angels? I mean, if, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe in angels because they're all, all over the Bible. They're all in the Bible, right? And so in, in Acts, angels are all in Acts. We're studying the book of Acts. The very first chapter, Jesus ascends into heaven, two angels appear, give the apostles some instruction. In the passage today, the angel comes and opens the, the, prison, the prison doors so they can escape. So, so what are angels and what do they do, okay? Angels are supernatural beings that God uses to fulfill his purpose, okay? Angels are different than humans. Angels are not humans. Angels are supernatural beings. Uh, people get confused all the, all the time, like when someone dies, someone, you'll hear someone say, well, God needed another angel in heaven. Humans don't become angels. Like angel, angels are, are completely different. They're, they're supernatural beings in the spiritual realm. When we die, we don't become angels. We go to heaven, we're in paradise, we have a new glorified body, we're with Jesus. We have, have a will to obey, a work to do, and hopefully a woman to love. In heaven, I'm hoping so. I mean, heaven's better than earth, right? Are y'all awake? That was kind of a joke, but anyway. <laughs> There's no coffee. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. 
just for the other campuses, there's no coffee here at the Azore campus. Everybody's a little bit ornery. It's all right. We're not here for the coffee, are we? So angels we see throughout the scriptures, they're messengers, they're helpers, they're protectors. They're kind of like a military spiritual ops unit. Like, like, like SEAL Team 6 or these military special ops units. Like, like they're working and they're doing things and we don't even know that they're doing them until after the fact. <laughs> and that's, that's what's going on with angels, okay? So let me, let me, if you're taking notes, point number one is God sends his angels to protect us. God sends his angels to protect us. I love this story in, in 2 Kings chapter six where King Aram is upset with the prophet Elisha because he's been prophesying against the king and his country. And, and so in the middle of the night, he sends this vast army to surround the camp to, to, to surround the prophet Elisha in the middle of the night. And they wake up the next morning and, and Elisha's servant sees this huge army that is surrounding them and he says, what should we do? And, and here's how Elisha responds, 2 Kings chapter six, verse 16 and 17. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. May God open our eyes so that we can see, so that we can see the battle that's going on. God surrounds us with his angels. If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 34, seven says, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Do you fear God? Do you have a holy reverence for God? If you do, we have the promise from scripture that the angel of the Lord surrounds us, protects us. Now, does everybody have a guardian angel? I don't know, but it's very clear that he surrounds us with his angels. He guards us. He, he protects us. We're having a worship service here at the Azura campus. And a lady came to me after the service and she said, I saw a vision while we were worshiping. I said, well, you know, what was the vision? She said, standing guard on the outer perimeter of the Azura campus, she saw what she described to be 50 foot tall angelic beings standing guard around our campus. I pray this every week, that God would put a hedge of protection around us, that he would surround us with his angels, that he would protect our churches and protect our campuses and protect our families and protect our marriages and protect our kids. God sends his angels to deliver us from difficult situations. We have the story here in Acts 5. The same thing happens in Acts 12. Okay, King Harold Agrippa is persecuting the Christians. He's putting them to death. James, the, the apostle, John's brother, has just been executed with a sword. They have arrested Peter. 
It looks like Peter is gonna be executed the next day. The church gathers to pray. The church is having an all-night prayer. Like, if you're desperate, you have an all-night prayer, right? Peter is in chains and shackles being guarded by 16 armed soldiers. It looks like there's no escape for Peter. And a, a bright light shines in a cell. An angel appears. His shackles fall off. The prison doors start opening, and he just walks right past all the armed guards. He gets to the house where the church is praying, and he's knocking on the door, and they, they don't think it's him. He's locked out. They won't even let him in. Like God had just answered their prayer, but they didn't believe it. God sent an angel to get him out of that difficult situation. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, remember the story of Daniel? And King Darius is tricked into making this edict that no one can pray to anybody else but him. But of course, Daniel's a man of God and he's gonna pray and he opens, he opens the doors to his house and he gets on his knees three times a day and he prays. And so the king throws him in the lion's den even though he doesn't want to and, and he's all worried about Daniel all night long. And so the very next morning, he comes to check on Daniel. Daniel chapter six, verse 22. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. I wonder how many times God has sent his angels to help us in difficult situations. One of the most traumatic days of my life was the day that I got a phone call. My then 16-year-old daughter, Julia, had been in a single car accident. She had flipped her car over. I get to the scene, the car's upside down, run over there, I look in, Julia's hanging by the seatbelt, there's blood everywhere. The first responders come, they bust out the windshield, they cut the seatbelt, they catch her. And Julia was telling me that before everybody got there, that there was a lady who was holding her hand, comforting her, praying for her. And so before we got into the ambulance, I asked the first responders, I said, well, who is the lady who was, who was here that was comforting Julia and was with her when you got here? And all the guys said, well, there was no lady. God is sending his angels to protect us in these difficult situations. God sends his angels to care for us and strengthen us. Hebrews 1.14, therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Angels are sent to care for those of us who are followers of Jesus. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed, Luke 22, 42, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that he sweat, his sweat fell to the ground like great drops 
of blood. God sent his angel to strengthen Jesus, to prepare him for Calvary so that he could die on the cross for us. God sends his angels to stop us and to prompt us. Acts 8, 26, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord sent him. An angel of the Lord said to him, go south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So the angel prompts Philip to go out into the desert. And in the desert is who we know as the Ethiopian eunuch. He's on his chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah. He doesn't understand Isaiah. Philip shows up. <laughs> he says, hey, you want me to explain it to you? He explains to them. He shares with him all about Jesus. The Ethiopian puts his faith in Jesus. He said, here's some water. Why shouldn't, we, shouldn't I be baptized? Philip baptizes him on the spot. And he goes back to Ethiopia. He's the first convent in the country or in, in, in the continent of Africa. Jennifer, I've been to Ethiopia. They take great pride in this story. That the first continent or first convert in the continent of Africa was this Ethiopian. But it was, a, it was an angel that sent Philip to the Ethiopian. God's angels prompt us. Has an angel ever prompted you? You ever had like a strong inclination to do something and you don't know why? And you just know that you have to do something or you have to call somebody or reach out to somebody or you have to go to some place? Maybe it's an angel that's, that, is, that is prompting you. Sometimes angels keep us from, from doing something that we shouldn't be doing. Sometimes angels stop us. There's a funny story in, in Numbers chapter 22, the story of Balaam. And, and Balaam is, is this, he's kind of a false prophet. He's a prophet for hire. He, he's a prophet who's just making money. And he's prophesying against the people of Israel. And God's not happy with him. And so he, he's on his way. He's going to prophesy against, against Israel. And he's on his donkey. And there's a, an angel in the middle of the path with his sword drawn. Balaam doesn't see the angel, but the donkey does. And so the, the donkey goes off the road. You remember this story? The donkey goes off the road. Balaam's all mad at the donkey, starts beating the donkey. And he gets back on the road, and, and then they're coming through a narrow pass, and there's a vineyard wall on both sides, and the angel's standing in the middle with a sword drawn, and the donkey's going to the right, and, and he's crushing Balaam's leg against the side of the wall to get around the angel. And Balaam's like beating the donkey, what are you doing? Well, then they get to this really narrow pass, and there's nowhere for the donkey to go. So the donkey just sits down. And Balaam starts beating the donkey. Well, then God enables the donkey to speak, which is encouraging to all of us pastors, right? Because if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anybody, <laughs> right? And he's wanting to kill this donkey. And all of a sudden, God opens Balaam's eyes so that he could see the angel with a sword drawn. And the angel was keeping him, stopping him 
from going and doing something they shouldn't be doing. How many times has an angel stopped us from doing something we shouldn't be doing? And we don't even know it. Like maybe the car breaks down, or maybe a flight gets canceled. There, there's a sudden change of plans. Maybe it's an angel that is protecting us and stopping us and keeping us from doing something. I share all this to share that we're in an epic battle. We're in a spiritual war. And we need to open our eyes to what, what God is doing. And ultimately, we have the victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. The battle has been won. I want us to turn to Revelation 12. You know you're on fire when you're getting in Revelation. Revelation 12, verse 7. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels. Of course, Michael is like the archangel, right? He's one of the highest ranking angels. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Of course, we know that the dragon is Satan. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. So Satan and, and his cronies, one third of the angels. Now if you wanna read more about it, you can study Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they do not love their lives so much as they are afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. So it says in verse 10 that Satan is an accuser. Satan is accusing us all the time. That's how Satan attacks us, is with accusations. You're not good enough. You're not really a Christian. What are you doing worshiping me? What are you doing raising your hands? Who, who are you to read the Bible? You're not good enough. You're just a sinner. Who, who are you to, to tell somebody else about Jesus? I know what you've done. See, Satan is the accuser and he's the liar and he's the father of Lie. That's why it's so important to put on the helmet of salvation, to protect our minds from the doubts of Satan. So how do we win the war? How do we win the battle? It's, it's in verse 11. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. 
The first way we win the battle is, is the battle is won by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus won the battle on the cross. It's on the cross. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We have victory over our enemy through the cross of Christ. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's why it's so important to be devoted to fellowship. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And we know that verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It is by the blood of the lamb that we are forgiven. The second way that we win the battle is by the word of our testimony. By the word of our testimony. 1 John 5, 11 through 13, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. Who who does not have the son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. This is your testimony. This is your song. This is your story. We don't get to heaven by our good works. We get to heaven by what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. If you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life. Your testimony is how Jesus Christ has changed your life. This is your story. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. How do we win the battle? How do we advance the kingdom of God? It's by the word of our testimony. It's by us telling other people about Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring good news. So if we go back to the armor of God, what, what are the, it's the peace shoes of the gospel. The military boots that we're wearing, it's the gospel. And we're, we're, when we tell people about Jesus, when we, give, when we give testimony, we're advancing the gospel. We're taking, step, we're taking the gospel forward. We're taking new territory for the kingdom. Anytime you share your testimony, you're advancing the gospel. You're building the kingdom. Every Sunday, we have an opportunity to share our testimony by sharing the Lord's Supper. Because when we take the Lord's Supper, we're testifying that Jesus Christ has changed my life. And then number three, the battle is won by surrendering our lives to Jesus. By the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and by surrendering our lives, laying our lives down. It says at the end of verse 11, and they, and they did, did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. We are building God's kingdom, not our own. We're surrendering to his will we're to die to ourselves to live for him. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and 24, then, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, you wanna be a disciple of Jesus? You wanna have the son? You wanna go to heaven? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, 
take up their cross daily. That's suffering for Jesus daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. A willingness to deny ourselves to take up our cross daily, to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. The apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a cost to discipleship. We should be willing to obey Jesus no matter what the consequences are. It could cost us our lives. It could cost us our kids' lives. The angel sets the apostles free and sends them right back into the temple, right back into danger zone where they would be arrested. And they could have lost their lives. Now, 11 of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. I mentioned James was killed by the sword. All the disciples, all the apostles other than John died for their faith. Peter was crucified upside down. The reward to following Jesus is not a comfortable lifestyle with no problems or issues. The reward to following Jesus is a close, intimate relationship with our Savior. The reward is being a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. The reward is that we're living a life that counts, that God is using us to change somebody else's life for all eternity. Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is in heaven, so will it be on earth. So what's our application today? I've had three applications. The first is, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you have a testimony? Has Jesus saved your life? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Old life's gone, you've repented of your sins, the new life has come. And if you don't know and you're not sure, then today's the day of your salvation. Put your faith in Jesus. That's how we get to heaven, is through the cross of Christ. It's through the blood of the Lamb. He died on the cross for you. His blood washes us as white as snow. The second application is, are you willing to obey God even if it leads to pain and suffering? Are you willing to obey God even if it puts you in Satan's crosshairs? If 290 men answer the call to biblical manhood, you're gonna be put in the crosshairs this week. You're gonna be attacked because we have a very real enemy. And you better put on the armor of God to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. You better get powered up. You better get prayed up. And the number three, are you willing to share the word of your testimony with others? Are you willing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of God into dark places to tell other people about Jesus? Because if we're being faithful as a church, we're doing that. And the Lord will add to our number daily those who are being saved. 
Now, I want to ask everybody at all of our campuses, we've done this the last couple of weeks, but I want to ask you to pull out your communication card. Every single person, okay? It's under your seats. It's on the seat back. Pull out your communication card. Put your name on it. And at the very bottom, it says, I'm I'm committing my life to Christ today. If you are committing your life to Jesus today, let us know about it. We want to help you grow in your faith. We don't want to just hear the word of God. We want to be doers of the word. So what's your next step? For some of you, it's baptism. We're trusting God for 365 baptisms this year. We had 13 last week, 352 to go. I'm praying for just a line of students crashing the waters of baptism. We had a man here for the first time last Sunday with his daughter. They're both getting baptized March 6th. Maybe that's what God's leading you to do. Maybe you just want to write on the back, like, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to answer the call to biblical manhood. You know, whatever it is, whatever God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you to do it. Let's not just be hearers of the word, let's be doers of the word. Let me me pray for us. God, we're so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible is so clear that none of us can get to heaven on our own. It's only through the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's not what we do, it's what Jesus Christ has already done for us. It's through the blood of the Lamb. And God, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone at any of our campuses, anyone watching, anyone listening, who has never put their faith in you, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. If that's you, I encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus, to confess your sins to him, to turn from those sins, to turn from that old life, And God will give you a new life. And he'll empower you with the Holy Spirit to live out the Christian life. God, I pray that we can be obedient like the the apostles. Immediate obedience. We're, We're gonna do whatever you call us to do, even if it leads to pain and suffering, even if it leads to an arrest, even if it leads to us losing our lives. I pray for men, God, to answer the call to biblical manhood to get off the sidelines and get in the battle, to put on the armor. A will to obey, a work to do, and a woman to love. It's so simple. And God, I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to tell other people about Jesus, to share the word of our testimony, to advance the kingdom of God. God, use us to see lives changed for all eternity. God, I pray that we're all about building your kingdom and not building our own. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.